guys. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Parking Lot Podcast. Today we're running down our top rookies and also getting into a little some rumor meal talk. Um, and then we have a special guest, Tom Leander, joining us. Um, we're excited to have him on and let's get going. with us we got myself kyle austin and stewart all on the pod today um then as stewart uh mentioned we've got tom leander longtime sons play-by-play guy he does the halftime and post-game stuff with tom chambers if you're a arizona native phoenix suns fan i'm sure you recognize his voice anywhere it's pretty iconic uh, so we're really excited to have him on later in this episode but we wanted to start off uh talking about some rookies and i mean there's a lot to talk about with the last couple games between tyrese Maxey going off for a depleted philly team and lamello ball becoming the youngest player to to score a triple double how do you guys feel about lamello i know there's a lot of um he fills the uh the highlight pages every night and i know there's a little bit of fatigue from all the lamello highlights but i mean in all seriousness He's been amazing, right? He's been better than – I was excited for him. He's been better than I thought to this point. So, awesome. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was really cool to see him play against his brother. I mean, we – back in the when Lonzo was drafted, we as Suns fans were really, you know, intrigued with Lonzo. It's just kind of cool to see that circle kind of fully fully come around all the way. But he's been fantastic, and he's been so good because they've been able to have him off the bench with Rozier and Graham. They're able to bring him off the bench, and he provides so much energy – he rebounds the ball. He makes makes plays. He can hit shots. He's kind of just doing a little bit of everything. And look out for the Charlotte Hornets. They won four in a row, and they look they look really good right now. Yeah, they look like they could be a playoff team in the East um, early on, and and be fighting for at least fighting for a spot, if not in the top six to eight range. Um, but yeah, Lamelo's look Lamelo's look great. He's super exciting. I mean, we were talking about him going into the draft. He's either he's either going to be boom or bust. Right. Like, and so far he hasn't, he hasn't busted. So, um, so he's, he's looked great. His basketball IQ is super high. One of the highest I've seen since his brother. Um, please still come to Phoenix Lonzo. Uh, <laughs> but the ball stands to it. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the Lonzo ball hype train. Um, but no, he's looked great. Um, his shots a little, a little worrisome to me still and him on the defensive end um, is, is still room for worry, but those are things that can get ironed out over, over his career. But so far I'm super impressed. I yeah, love, okay, I love what he said in the, in the post game too, where he said he's played a lot of 21 growing up. <laughs> yeah, I, saw that. I mean, you can really like relate to that, right? Like yeah. play, oh, play, yeah. playing pool ball or playing, playing 21 at the gym rec center with like your buddies growing up and it forces you to rebound. You play with bigger guys. You're smaller. You're in seventh grade. Like you just, and he was always smaller than his brothers. You see some of those pictures. He's like uh-huh. a good foot shorter than Lonzo, but you just got to scrap. You got to get boards. And I, I loved that from him. I thought that was a super honest and it was a really endearing quote. I thought so. Totally yeah. well, well, smaller Kyle, than his brothers and also smaller than his dad. You know LeVar was a part of those 21 games. <laughs> no, doubt. Sure. no doubt. Box out monster. Well, Kyle, you, you had two younger brothers, so you were on the other spectrum of it. All right. But, all right. Uh, so my, my question was this about LaMelo. Um, just to throw out some stats to you real quick, he's averaging 12.8 points per game, but he's only playing 25 minutes a game. Um, and, yeah, his shot isn't perfect. There's no question, but – He's hitting 35% from three on four and a half attempts. I'm just curious to know your guys' opinion about just how he's looked so far. Like, where do you see him maybe by the end of his rookie year? Like, where does he have to be to be just to continue to grow his game? Like, what are you, what are you expecting him to hit for the three-point line? Or just in general, what kind, of th- what kind of things are you looking for when it comes to LaMelo? Yeah, you said 35% from three, which is better than I thought. I thought he was going to be closer to like 27, 28 early on. And yeah. I think maybe that's more of what we've seen from Anthony Edwards. Uh, right. 10, right. 11, 12 games in, which isn't a huge indicator, but I, I think he's actually shooting, be- shooting the ball better from three than I thought he would. It still looks kind of funky. He flings his feet up 
in kind of like opposite directions sometimes, but it looks yeah. like he's like bouncing on a trampoline. But I mean, they're going in and the rotation looks good. So I think if he just gets more minutes um, and can up those averages a little bit, if he's closer to like 15, seven and eight, that's it. I mean, I think he'd be the front runner for rookie of the year at that point for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I agree. I, w- I would just be mostly looking for the 35% to stick um, just over the course of the 72 game season. Um, I have a little bit of worry that, that it might fall off after a while after defenses figure him out a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, I'm looking for that to stick. And then on the defensive end, I would like to see him kind of grow into that. And once the game kind of slows down for him a little bit on that end of the floor, cause it's already really slow for him on the offensive end. Like he's, yeah, he's smooth. He's he's, really he is smooth. So, so on the defensive end, it would just be the game slowing down for him, which I, have no reason to believe it won't and then stepping up a little bit on that end sure yeah so what are the rookies have jumped out at you i know we mentioned anthony edwards for a second i think he i was critical of him at least early on coming out of the draft i thought it would take him a little more time to kind of acclimate to the speed of the game get his feet wet but i think in flashes he's actually looked pretty solid that three ball still needs a little bit of work i think at least consistency yeah. he'll take a lot of them who I mean, he's a volume shooter, and so maybe his percentages don't look great, but he he definitely looks ready for the league, at least physically, I think. And I don't know. What are your thoughts yeah. on, on Edwards so far? Yeah, it's interesting because I know, Kyle, you had your reservations, and, I, and a lot of it really was that you didn't love him as the number one pick. It was more yes. a team trading. Like if Minnesota could trade back to get him at three and pick some things up, it would be, it would be a, sl- a home run. It wasn't so much of the prospect as much as – maybe the position of this, of this draft, but exactly. I don't know. I think like Edwards is a six, five shooting guard. Like this is kind of, I think what we're talking about with LaMelo shooting the ball at 35% is a little bit more special than we would have given it credit for. And I think Anthony Edwards probably shooting 27% is you can probably chalk that up to a little bit of just 10 games so far. And so I'm not so worried about that. Like a guy a shooting guard who's going to have a lot of shot volume and he's going to be relied on to score the ball a lot. I think you're going to see some poor percentages it's just him trying to find a way to – I think we just mentioned this with Lamelo. He's so slow offensively, and he's so smooth. And with Edwards, it's a little bit of the opposite. It's like trying to slow the game down enough so that he gets good looks and that the, the shots he are, is taking it are high percentage. Yeah, I think you got to start asking yourself with Anthony Edwards eventually and the T-Wolves will. Right now you're just going to enjoy him being a rookie, putting up numbers, and hope it leads to wins. But eventually, you're going to have to ask yourself, is he Dwayne Wade or is he Andrew Wiggins? Like, yeah, great question. And that'll come over time. You'll start to see tendencies and start to see those percentages if they grow up or stay, or stay at around 27. But that's, that's what I'm looking for with him. Is he a guy that puts up a lot of numbers on some ill-advised shots um, that doesn't lead to winning like Andrew Wiggins? Or is he a guy that can succeed and not without needing a consistent three-point jumper like Dwayne Wade? Um, and I think that's the question the T-Wolves are going to have to start asking themselves once a couple of years down the line when it comes to, to max contract time. Yeah, I totally agree. Let me, let me run some other names out at you guys um, that have played so far, because there's a couple of guys that have, we haven't seen at all yet. Yeah. Nyeko Kongo, we haven't seen. Yeah, which I'm I mean, really bummed, man. I, I love mean, too. I'm so excited for him. But like, I think I he's really... coming back. I think he's supposed to play like in the next week, I heard, and so – Killian okay. Hayes played a little bit, got hurt. He might be out for a little while. Obi Toppin got hurt. Um, I'm just looking at the top ten. So a lot of these guys, Jalen Smith hasn't played a lot. Um, but I will say Tyrese Maxey, we talked about that that one game. I think I loved him. I, I just loved his mentality, his approach to the game. And you saw when it was uh-huh. center stage and they needed him to take shots and be a volume guy. Like, he really stood up to the challenge. And I thought he looked really good. And I thought Patrick Williams – I was really critical of that pick yeah. at four. And there's a lot to be seen still. Um, once again, it wasn't as much like the player as the spot drafting him fourth. Yeah, right. I just, first of all, I think this draft wasn't quite as weak as it was like played out to be six months ago. There's a lot of quality players. We, we talked about Tyrese Halliburton on the last podcast. Like there's a lot of quality young rookies coming out of this draft. Sure. And so I, I think Pat Williams is actually like pretty, pretty smooth. At this point, four was really high. I still think that's pretty high, but, um, I mean, it's not like he's translating to winning as much as maybe Halliburton has for the Kings as he has for the Bulls. But 
Um, yeah, pleasantly surprised with Patrick Williams. What about you guys? Any other takeaways from rookies? My guy, Sadiq. Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah, talk about, talk about Sadiq Bay a little bit, Stuart. Yeah, take a victory I mean, lap, dude. This is your guy, and he's yeah. been awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm most impressed, although he is shooting like 46% from three, I'm most impressed with him on the defensive side of the ball. Um, he's taken what he was in college, which is something we criticize people on draft night for saying, this guy's a really good collegiate defender. Like, that's, that's what we're going to draft him for. And we are like, that's not going to translate necessarily to the NBA. And with Sadiq, sure. it looks like he has. Um, he's really versatile. He's got an NBA body. Um, he can guard one through four um, already. Um, we saw it. We watched him do it against the Suns. Um, I don't really want to bring up that that game, but yeah, yeah, please don't. <laughs> but but no, he, you're good. He he went from guarding Dario Saric to guarding Chris Paul, switching on to Devin Booker. Like he's long, he's athletic, um, and I think his overall field goal percentage will just continue to grow um that once he gets good shots and maybe on a better team um but but yeah he's he's looked great so far yeah one more guy i want to throw out there have you guys had a chance to watch any precious precious achua highlights to this point i i've seen a little bit of precious but i've heard you know i've listened, been listening to kevin o'connor they are just glowing about precious they they really like him down there in miami yeah, it kind of seems like a, a diamond in the rough, just classic Miami pick. I give that franchise so much credit for, for drafting guys. They just know how to pick guys. And I wasn't a huge Precious guy, I guess, early on in my kind of draft evaluation process. But when Miami took him, I automatically in my head think, like, I miss on that guy. He's going to be good because Miami doesn't miss. They, they the, always take these studs. The yeah. name that popped in my head with him was, do you guys remember Lou Amundsen? Ooh, of course, sweet Lou. Yeah, of course, sweet like, Lou, baby. Dude, he wore the man bun before anyone else did. He he, it was cool <laughs> with Lou, sweet Lou, before it was like super trendy and hipster. But yeah, the energy that Lou brought off the bench with the Suns, I I see a similar thing because I watched a couple of Miami's games, and Precious Achua does the same, has brings the same type of energy by just rebound, getting offensive rebounds, doing the hustle stuff. But he actually can play basketball, unlike Lou Amundsen. Um, <laughs> and he, he actually it doesn't shoot 40% from the free throw line like Lou Amundsen, but, um, but he has that same type of energy that, that bring, that reminds me of Lou. Yeah. He's been, he's been really great. I guess one thing that I wanted to throw out with the rookies as well is it's really fascinating as we've looked through this draft. I think the first couple guys have honestly been really good. I think Lamelo has been good. Anthony Edwards has looked good in strides. Even James Weissman has had nice nights with yes. the Warriors. Yes. But I think what's fascinating, and we were saying this all along, that there were going to be guys from pick 14 to 28, you know, that second part of the first round, that were going to be really good players. And if your general manager was able to identify them and to get them in the right spot, you were going to be better off for it. Like you're seeing it with Peyton Pritchard in Boston. Yeah, He's played a huge, role, a huge role without um, yeah. Kemba Walker there. Like, I was concerned with Boston to start the year because I was just – I was like, yeah, I like Teague, but what's what's there after? And Pritchard stepped in and has been fantastic. And Tyrese Maxey, when he needed to play well, stepped in. Precious Achua, there's a lot of guys in this, like, late part of the draft that are going to be around the NBA for a long, a long time. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so what else I wanted to mention is uh, Desmond Bain playing for Memphis. I think he was picked – 30th overall I want to say that last pick of the first round um shooting 47 and a half percent from three to this point in the season and it doesn't seem like a fluke that's who this guy was coming in to the draft of TCU um I was watching a Memphis game the other night on on league pass and I saw that he had made a minimum of two threes in every game he had played to that point which was a couple days ago um but just wildly impressive you know that's that's a guy that came in rock solid right hit the ground running and you know i think memphis got a good one they knew what they were getting in him and that's an elite three-point shooter but i think he's got a lot of eric gordon in this game um i think he's going to be a good player for a long time to come uh, but we'll definitely talk more about rookies going forward uh it's always fun to uh talk about that that rookie class and that rookie ladder and, and kind of evaluate that rookie of the year race as we as we go along so there'll definitely be a lot more rookie talk going forward but 
I wanted to introduce <clears throat> a new segment, a uh, segment that we're calling the weight room. And we want to look at guys that really put in the work during the off season, hit the weight room hard. Um, and that's translated, you know, into positive on court results. And so wanted to look at some of those guys. Uh, some of these guys had a really shortened off season if they played in the bubble, especially in the playoffs a couple months. So um, really a short turnaround time for some of these guys. Some of these guys had a much longer, the Atlantas and the Washingtons had a much longer off season. Um, but, you know, either way, we wanted to focus on some of those guys. But, you know, I got a, a quick aside, a, a quick story. I know Austin mentioned that I have two younger brothers, and he's, he's totally right. Um, so they were always smaller than me, and I could kind of um, boil him around a little bit playing basketball. But I feel like I got, <laughs> I got physically dominated uh, playing pool ball growing up. This guy, Nick Lewis, he had, you know, 85 to 100 pounds on me, ripped the rim down, dunk on my head just humiliating stuff so I remember I remember leaving the pool one day I think I went straight to GNC I bought creatine for the first time really motivated me to hit the gym I don't know if this is healthy motivation but (laughs) I uh I feel like I I kind of understand where some of these guys are coming from but um a guy I wanted to to highlight is Washington Rui Hachimura Uh, I know Scott Brooks's rotations can be kind of weird especially to this point in the season but I, I think really shown some flashes and when he's gotten good minutes from, from from Scott Brooks he's he's really shown that he's put on a lot of physical size and I think that's really translated in his game um I've been really impressed with him getting to his spots in the paint um and really wherever he wants to on the court and I think that um is a direct reflection of the work that he's put in in the weight room over the off season. but who are some guys that have stood out to you guys um I mean a guy I think we need to always consider when talking about weight is is Zion Williamson um I don't know necessarily if he's lost a ton of weight or what exactly is has happened he's playing well but but I think from the games that I've seen of his he's lost a little bit of athleticism and I don't know if that's a a change in the way he's playing the game or or if it's a lost step I don't know exactly what it is but he's not throwing down jams as hard as he usually does or or jumping as high and even in most cases he usually does I don't know exactly what that is I don't know if that's something you guys noticed or um or looked out for I feel like he's a little more nimble at least he looks that way to me in a good way um he's still he still looks really thick and strong and like he he plays that style of basketball that's conducive to his body type but he does look a little lighter on his feet which I think it has been a positive for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Good thing. Yeah. So do you think that he's, I kind of felt like he had lost some weight going into this year. Do you think he lost that weight, Stuart? Or like, cause you would think that if he lost weight, it would, he, he would translate to more athleticism, right? Like what, what do you think it stems from? Is it just how he's trying to play to keep his body healthy or what do you think it is? Um, I would assume maybe, the NBA guys once he once he's gotten there has have talked to him a little bit that he can't play the way that he is accustomed to playing forever. Um, sure. I mean, he can't come down with 280 pounds going three, four, four feet up in the air every possession, and and just come down like that for for 20 years. Like that's not right. going to happen. Um, so maybe maybe it's a mixture of of them telling him this to change the way he's playing, plus saying, hey, why don't you work on shedding a couple pounds so you can try to still jump a little higher, but not put that much pressure on your knees and, and on your legs. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when he, when we played, I'm saying, when I say we, the Suns, when the Suns played the Pelicans and I got a good look at Zion, I, I still felt like he was um, athletic. Like when he was going up against Deandre Ayton, he was still faster and could get around him, which I would consider Deandre a pretty mobile center. So like mm-hmm. he was able to abuse a big center and I feel like he's still strong enough to – I don't know if I worry so much about his weight. Um, the athleticism, athleticism stuff is interesting because I think it speaks to how he wants to play his game. Like how does he want to play for the next 10, 15 years to keep his body healthy, to be effective? It's like – same thing with LeBron. It was always like there was, there was that year after I think that Miami year when he had all those cramps and the first year he was there with the finals. And he's like, I've got to figure out how to – adjust my weight and my body so I can last for this long. 
mm-hmm. and he found that rhythm and obviously went to how many finals in a row? I think it was a seven or eight. I mean, it was insane. So I think Zion's going to have to find that balance, but I mean, I don't worry about the guy. I think he's so talented. I think he's going to be just fine. So I kind of like yeah. that he's become a little bit more finesse. I think it's, I think it's important for his health and, and success long-term. 100% there with you. I agree. Let me give one shout out real quick to, uh, we, <laughs> I know Kyle and I, we've talked about Nikola Jokic for a long time. <laughs> we've been like, he, he's fantastic. Like he really is fantastic. And for so many years, he just looked like this. He, he would just surprise you with what he could do sometimes. But I will say he, he really looks like he trimmed down. And I think he's found a good balance of, he's so good at using his body, but I love the way he's been able to, to balance his body, his weight, and everything to to the basketball court. I, he looks he's looked really great this year. Like yeah. really really good. He might be an MVP MVP early talks. Even though the Denver's record may not be there, they're going to get back in it because he's just so he's so good. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think that it's been like just the perfect amount of slim down because he still has that baby little post hook. He he's so good at. Maybe he has the best touch of any big man in the league, and he has enough weight oh, to kind yeah. of get that shot off whenever he wants to. I mean, he's made a couple of those super late in the fourth quarter, um, right. kind of buzzer beater time kind of shots. But, um, yeah, he definitely looks skinnier, and he's a little bit lighter on his feet, which credit to him in that sense. Um, I want to yeah. shout out to Jante Murray. I think he has oh, yeah. consistently year after year. I know he tore his ACL last year, two years ago. Yeah, I think it was that. last year. But I, he looks – and his stats really attest to this, but um, much improved all aspects of the game of his game. And I think a lot, a large part of it is he came into the league out of the university of Washington as a twig, really, really skinny kid. He came out the same year Marquise Chris did. They were teammates and he got drafted much later. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. 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 And uh, he has definitely put on enough weight like he's still long and nimble and he's always been a good rebounder because of his length but he has a little more size and I feel like he can get to his spots more um in the paint and off the dribble and I think it's made a huge difference for his game so shout out him I think he's uh really really put the work in not just rehabbing his upper body or his lower body after his ACL tear but um really really working on his upper body and and putting on some strength there so he's been hitting the weight room for sure yeah so DeJounte Murray, I'm just looking at his numbers right now. Um, he's a huge he, – he gets he does not get talked about enough when you look at San Antonio's success. We're always going to talk about DeRose, and we'll always talk about sure. Aldridge. And um, he's – DeJounte Murray's been really good. I haven't watched a ton of San Antonio. I watched – I did watch one game. I can't remember who they were playing. It was like one of the first games of the year. But he's, he's averaging 16 right now, seven boards and five assists. He just, he's one of those guys where he just does it all. He's a solid defender. He's 24 years old, and he's one of those players where you wonder if he went to a different organization. Like, does he make it? Like, does he make it as, yeah. as successful after an ACL injury? Like, does he make it the way he's making it? Like, San Antonio just – there's a reason why they won't be out of this – out of the playoffs very long. They'll just – they'll continue to find players who will who will always play well. They'll always draft well. And as long as Popovich is around, he'll get the most out of them. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's transition to uh, some of the rumor mill. Um, and I am watching uh, a Korean broadcast. Shout out NBA <laughs> League Pass for having a Korean broadcast of the Portland-Toronto game. I, I've been big. I, I've, my wife and I watched this K-drama r- recently, uh, Startup. Uh-huh. If you guys shout out Netflix and Startup, great show. It's really, really good. So I, I turn on this, this Korean broadcast. And it's, it's fascinating to listen to it like – <laughs> call some of these dunks and transition plays in Korean. But I'm watching Toronto, and they just look like a team. They're actually up right now at halftime, but they look like a team that needs to make a move, right? Um, I don't know who that is. I don't know if they're ready to move on from Pascal Siakam. I know he's had a really disappointing really last season, a half season of last year into the first start of this year. But right. is right. there a move to be made? I know Baines has not been good for him. Is there a move to be made for Toronto in your opinion? Yeah, they're in a really interesting, really, really interesting spot. Because, um, I mean, they've come off the last, I don't know how many seasons, six, seven years being really successful playoff teams, winning a championship in there. And and if they continue to play like this, they have a very similar roster to they did last year. I mean, they lost Serge and 
and Marcus Gasol um, as big names, but they got Fred VanVleet back. They've still got Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, OG, um, and those guys. Norm Powell, I think, is still there. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so, he is. So, like, they still have their core intact, but it's just something about this season. So it's really interesting. Do you make a move to try and improve yourself this year to try and make a run because you've been so successful recently or do you try to make a move to blow it up because you're not being successful at all this year like they could go for James Harden I guess um but that is fascinating that really is fascinating I just don't know what you have to give up for Harden that's the problem like I don't know if that makes him better in the end yeah like I don't know they're in a tough spot yeah well we we got to see Toronto recently and yeah that that Pascal was great against the Suns. He played fantastic, and he's looked better the last few games. He has, and they yeah. they they really need him. And I think some of the OG and an OB hype of the playoffs has kind of worn off a little bit. Like he's a, he's a nice player, but he's not doing anything that's going to. He's not coming off the bench and getting you fifteen a game, or he's not really doing anything unique, and he's not pushing the envelope. Yeah. I, the problem is really they don't have a lot of depth. Like when they when they go. When they when they take out Van Fleet and Lowry, like they just don't have a lot of creation, and they don't have a lot of offense that can stimulate outside of it. And so when those guys aren't playing well, or when you can lock those guys down to some extent, they, it just it's hard for them to continue to score the basketball, and they're not getting a lot of production from Baines and Len and Boucher. Like they're not getting a lot of backup depth at all, and that's killing them right now. They're not getting a lot of production from Alex Len. Yeah, can you believe <laughs> it? What? He's a fifth what? overall pick, man. Woof. They should just they should go get Nerlens Noel and just complete the <laughs> the trifecta. The what was that twenty fourteen draft? I don't even want to think twenty thirteen draft. Terrible yeah, draft. Yeah. Outside of Giannis, right? <laughs> yeah, just go get them all. Uh, one of them has got to be good. Let's talk. Let's talk Hawks um, and John Collins because as far as the rumor, rumor mill goes, it probably starts and ends with John Collins right now just feels like the guy that's most likely to be on the move at the deadline, right? Given the Hawks roster, how much depth they have, especially at the forward and center spot. And they don't want to pay him. It's really clear. They don't want to pay him the money that he thinks that he deserves to get paid. I, I think everyone could acknowledge that John Collins is a really, really, really good basketball player. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm pretty positive that he's not going to be an Atlanta Hawk past the deadline. So what teams need him, could use him, and what do you think a deal would look like? The Phoenix Suns. <laughs> yeah, we would, really could use a guy like John Collins, man. I would love to trade for John Collins as a Phoenix Suns fan. I, yeah, he I am would be so, awesome fit too. so high on John Collins right now. Um, just, just his athleticism, I think, would help. I'm just talking about the Suns now. Like, this specific team – his aggressiveness at the rim. Um, he could still stretch the floor a little bit and, and knock down the three. Um, he's a decent rebounder. He's an okay, he's a decent defender. I think he gets criticized for a lot for his defense just because Atlanta's probably the worst defensive team in the league um, outside of the Wizards, which we're recording this on Monday night. We saw they're not the worst defensive team in the league anymore. Anyways. Um, <laughs> But no, I would love John Collins to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. That is my I'm I'm riding that until past the deadline, until it doesn't happen. I had an interesting team name. I'm curious to hear you guys' opinion. I don't know exactly what this team would give up. Same with the Suns, like I don't know what the, the trade looks like. But I wonder if John Collins with Portland would be interesting. Ooh. If Portland was able to find a way to add because like Nurkic is I was a big fan of Nurkic, like, going into the year. And he hasn't been that same player. I feel like he was in the bubble. And I know, like, he came off a major injury and, like, played in the bubble, which was awesome. But he hasn't – they're just – they're big men. Their defense overall hasn't been very good. I know John Collins may not fit the bill perfectly defensively, but just provide that young athleticism next to Damian Lillard, rolling a little bit more of like a Christian Wood type fill where, you know, a lot of rolling to the basket, a lot of screens, pick and pops. He might fit really well with, like, a Portland – a Portland roster. Yeah, I agree. I like Portland. I think they're a good fit. Um, you know, another team that I think would fit really well is, is Dallas. I think playing alongside Luca 
as a rim runner. And then when Kristaps comes back, Kristaps will take seven, eight threes a game. He did in the playoffs. And so he loves just to stretch the floor, be a true stretch five. And I think John Collins will shoot the three ball. And he's a, he's a good three-point shooter, but I think he's more apt uh, to, to rim run. And that I think that fits that Dallas scheme and style perfectly. Um, but, you know, overall, just huge credit to John Collins. This is just a testament to his game and the work that he's put in because it just shows the, the versatility in his game. And I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are, uh, you know, going after him come the trade deadline. But uh, as far as James Harden, got to mention him, but I think we're going to do an individual Harden segment in a podcast coming up. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of speculation, but we'll get into Harden at a different time. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, I, I wanted to mention here, um, you know, the poor guy's just had so much happen on and off the court. Um, as many of you know, he lost his mother to COVID. Um, and it's been on the court uh, pretty brutal since they made the playoffs a couple years ago and have nothing to show for it since. I know they brought his buddy, D'Angelo Russell, in. But, you know, he's a guy that I think just could use a change of scenery. And I don't say that selfishly. As a Suns fan, I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested. But um, he's a guy that I would not be shocked you know, after the trade deadline is wearing a different uniform, in my opinion. Is there a fit you like? There's a couple. There's definitely, I mean, we just talked about Toronto. Can you imagine if Toronto could somehow get the pieces if they were to trade Pascal or something as a centerpiece? Like, they're just hungry for, like, a good big man. So there's a couple rosters, I think, that could definitely use him. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Um, One roster that could definitely use him. And I don't know if it's just because we got Tom Leander coming on. It makes me want to talk about him. But <laughs> you know who else could also use a change of scenery? DeAndre Eaton could probably use a change of scenery. <laughs> and I think that's a nice little match made in heaven. And also, do you know who another one of Carl Anthony Towns' buddies are? Devin Booker is Carl Anthony Towns' buddy. I think that could be a nice little match made in heaven to bring Carl Anthony Towns. And if you want to bring John Collins over too, that'd be fantastic. Build a nice little super team. Over <laughs> Just trade for everyone not to give anything up. <laughs> yeah. If, if the salary cap goes up to like 280 million this year, I think we might be able to swing that. But could you imagine Robert Sarford be like, <laughs> like all Suns fans would be like, wow, Robert, like you really went all out for this team. And then it's like, I can't pay this man. I can't, I can't afford this. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to sell the team. <laughs> oh, gosh. Cat, um, yeah, I, I, I just feel bad for the guy. Like, he, he hasn't played a lot this year already. And I know he had, like, a wrist thing. But he talked about it. Like, he, he's been very vocal about, you know, where he's at mentally and everything. I, I feel bad for the guy. Um, I, I do think that in the next year you'll see him get moved. I, I just can't the, – the team just still isn't there. He's got to want to start winning. And just, yeah, I think he, he's going to need a, a little bit of a shift in terms of just location and just a fresh start, I think would, would be really good for his career, honestly, overall, <laughs> not even, not even talking about just Phoenix in general, but just for him, yeah, it for might sure. be nice. Just to start. A restart would be really, really nice for him. Watch out for Golden State there. I don't know what they have move wise. Like, I don't know, like they, they're so far in like salary cap problems, but it probably have to get done like next year or something, but he would be an interesting fit there. If somehow they could make that work. That's a really good point because they wanted – they drafted Wiseman as a guy to potentially move. It was just who's going to hold the most value, so. Sure. Right. Um, like, what if what if they're, like, wanting to go for it now and they are willing to move Wiseman? I think it would be um, great for Minnesota, too. Boston as well with that trade exception. Good one. Ooh, um, good point. Hanging out there. They need a big man. And they could absorb that into that trade exception. I mean, you could – maybe go Marcus Smart in a ton of picks. It's really hard. Cat's value right now is really difficult to gauge. He's not He's not going to demand the same ransom he once would, but he's still going to demand a ransom. Ago, right? right, right. Like, he's still going to demand yeah. a ton of prospects, which he should. He's a he's an elite, young, big man in this league. So, Right, um, right. Is he similar to kind of Kristaps a couple years ago, where Kristaps was like the crown jewel maybe like one of the best up and coming young players in the league. And then all of a sudden due to like a couple of extenuating circumstances, his value dropped and Dallas kind of got him on the cheap. I know he's been injured, but I feel like they've kind of followed a similar trajectory of maybe they were going to break the league and be like the best big man for 12 years, 20 years. And then they yeah. both kind of receded a little bit. But 
I don't know, man. I don't think you could trade Josh Jackson for Carl Anthony Towns right now. <laughs> not for Kyrie Irving, oh, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Speaking yeah, of I, enigmas. <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting cat teams, and it's really hard to gauge his value. Like, I was just thinking about him the other day and what that would look like. I just don't know. You're, Minnesota's going to want a ransom. I just don't know if they can – how much can they really ask for when it comes to him? Like, he's just not playing. He just hasn't been – around as much as as you would like so i just don't you know, know who's gonna can. want him you know who's gonna want him really bad is detroit they need another big man really bad I think they, only got, town. they only got like six or seven in the drafts or not in the draft in the free agency and, <laughs> and the draft with isaiah stewart yeah speaking of Sacktown, i gotta i gotta shout this out i messed up on ball arena ball arenas are denver oh plays. Not second. We were talking about this afterwards. What a yes. letdown! What could have been, right? So, <laughs> so I apologize to anyone that heard that. Sacktown does not. They play at Sleep Train Arena, much better than Ball Arena, right? But Ball Arena is Denver, and I got to yes. shout out another mistake I made. <laughs> this one cracked me up. I went back and listened to it. I was talking about Cody Martin, and I'm like, "Who's his brother? Is is it is it Zach Martin?" No, it's Caleb, like, right? It's not Zach and Cody. Like, what was I thinking? I was thinking of <laughs> oh. the Sweet Life on Deck, dude. I, Zach and Cody Martin. Come on now. I don't Cody. even remember that. I, I don't remember that. I remember talking about him, but I don't remember you saying that. That's I hilarious. Like, I got to go back Martin, and listen to that. What's his brother's name? I go, was it Zach? And you guys were like, yeah, I think so. Oh, man. It was bad. Oh, God. Caleb. I knew Caleb it right now. Cody. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Zach and Cody Martin and Buzz City. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We are going to jump into the Tom Leander interview. So hang out for a couple more minutes here and we will see you after the interview. We'll see you later this week. So we've got this interview with Tom Leander. Uh, He was such a great interview. So cool to chat with and that's exactly what we did a little bit before and after the recording. So we were chatting with him about all things uh, basketball, about life, about the Suns, um, all sorts of topics. And we wanted to, to clip a good portion of that conversation in the form of questions. We asked him about five questions, kind of in an, inter- in an interview style. And uh, we'll have that uh, clipped and recorded for you guys here in this next segment. So hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, Tom Leander. guys welcome back to the parking lot we got a special guest on today tom leander uh, has been with the suns for a long time does the the pre halftime and post game show with tom chambers really appreciate having you on tom thanks for taking the time today oh thanks for having me guys hey tom so i wanted kind of in reference to our, our conversation before about uh sean marion and some of the the similarities in this game uh to michael bridges on uh, this current suns roster i, I wanted to ask about marion uh specifically and you know, whether or not you think that he deserves a spot in the Suns Ring of Honor. You know, Sean definitely has so much value to this franchise, and, and I, I really hope he goes into the Ring of Honor soon. He, should, he definitely should be in the sure. Baseball Hall of Fame, too. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he – I mean, I think he if, – if you look at the – I think they, they gauge it's an analytics of the percentage chance of getting in because of the numbers. Um, he is, like, right there at the top. So – Unfortunately, these last couple of years for him, you know, you've got guys like Duncan and, and Kobe and KG and all these guys that are going to be going in. But Sean's going to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame and hopefully in the Suns Ring of Honor, too. Couldn't agree more. Appreciate that. Yeah, just a just another guy who's probably the focal point of this current Suns roster that I, I want to ask about. Um, it's gotten a lot of heat recently, and we've talked about it on our podcast that this team's going to kind of rise and fall with this guy. And so DeAndre Ayton is a guy who you, you see so much talent in this guy, but it, it doesn't feel like he's quite reached how high he can get. So I was kind of wondering from your perspective, we've talked about kind of two different avenues that he can go down to, to kind of get that next step. And that's either fine tuning his aggressiveness and, and figuring out when he can really, really get aggressive down low and, whether it be slamming it home instead of laying it in or, or getting aggressive on putbacks or developing his shot beyond the arc. 
um, and getting a three-point shot. So I was wondering which of those two avenues you think you would prioritize with DA's game or if you have something else um, to kind of help him get that next step. Well, first of all, we should hire you as a Suns broadcaster because as you pick and choose <laughs> your words trying to describe DeAndre, that's the life we live on air. Like, how do we say it? Everybody's seeing it, right? Right, you know, yeah. Wanna, we don't want to overly criticize the guy, but we look at his physical skills and, you know, usually I kind of sit back and let DJ and TC say it. Um, but really <laughs> yeah. good job about like, yeah, trying to describe it without being – you know, too critical, uh, you know, forget the three point shot. I mean, take that off the board. We don't, nobody wants him shooting threes sure. on this team. we got plenty of three point shooters. What he needs to do is more of what Dario Saric does um, battle inside rebound compete. And then on offense, be a distributor, be a facilitator. I mean, I think the sun's offense runs the best right now when Dario's at the five, because he'll get the ball and boom, move it. And then he'll go set a screen and then he'll go crash the offensive glass if there's one thing DeAndre needs to do is just watch tape of Dario Saric. The guy's got huge heart and passion. Um, and, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. We, we you know, it, it can be frustrating at times, you know, watching him. Uh, he had a stretch last year, actually last January in games against the Knicks and I think in Boston, but he had a stretch of four or five games where, I mean, he was just, yeah, you know, 2020 guy. So that's what kind of is maddening um, because, you see that, and and also I hate to rip on him sometimes because he's a really good, unselfish passer. Like he'll grab an offensive rebound and boom, kick it, kick it out for a three. He's I think TC um, compared him to Boris Diaw. Like <laughs> Boris Diaw used to drive us crazy, right? He'd drive into the hoop and he'd like finger, he wouldn't finger roll, he'd kick it yeah. out for a three. Like Boris, you had a layup. So similar to DeAndre, I mean. It, one of the criticisms is, man, go in, barrel in, go dunk it. And, but he's passing and hitting three-point shooters. So there is some good with the, uh, the maddening part of it. And it just right now, I think it's kind of a uh, – it's going to be a, a telling point for him in his career. Uh, this is a really good Suns team. They need him. They have yeah. veterans. I think the patience level is going to be tested um, for the coaches and for his teammates. Well, that leads into my question because – I've been really impressed with James Jones since he's come in. I mean, Igor was the head coach and he felt like he needed to make a change. Um, hired Monty Williams, who has been an absolute home run in my opinion for this organization. And I feel like Monty and James Jones, they, they have a similar vision. They know what they want. And I think Monty overall has done a really good job of getting the most out of these players. Um, you mentioned Steve, Steve Nash with his leadership ability my question is more about culture. Like who, who establishes culture in an NBA locker room? Like, is it management? Is it, is it coaching or is it just star players who are able to get the most out of their teammates? Like, where does that, where does culture, how does that get driven in an NBA locker room? Yeah, that's, that's team by team. I mean, like, cause if you were to talk about the Spurs, the culture is driven by Greg Popovich. Yeah. Right? If you were talking about the Boston Celtics uh, when they had Kevin Garnett, Kevin Garnett's the driver of that. Uh, when you had Steve Nash with the Suns, Steve was very much uh, the culture builder on that team. Um, so it kind of depends. It depends on the personality of the coach. Um, maybe the, you know, the organization, you mentioned James Jones and, and the tone that they're setting kind of behind the scenes. A lot of times you don't really know um, how powerful and forceful the general manager is, how much are they in the locker room talking to guys. Yeah. Um, so usually it, it depends on the head coach and your star player. So for right now, I mean, it's, that's, you know, a question that Chris Paul would probably be that culture driver right now in the Suns. He's going to have the loudest voice. Obviously Devin Booker is the team's best player and superstar, but he's not as much of a, a vocal presence as Chris Paul is. So, you know, Chris is going to be the guy that, and you can, all you have to do is watch his body language on the court and you can take that and multiply it by a hundred as to what's going on behind the scenes. So when he's getting in somebody's face or if he appears frustrated or if he's upbeat and really rallying the guys, I mean, that's what's happening behind the scenes to an even larger degree. So, um, but James Jones has done a, a fantastic job of putting the pieces together. Um, I think the previous regime, I'm not even going to name that general manager, but <laughs> you have to put players that have roles together. You can't have five point guards. You can't have seven wing players. You can't, I mean, then they're all fighting 
for minutes and for time and for shots. I mean, it's just, it was so poorly calculated, I think, for so long. And James Jones yeah. and Monty Williams, both role guys, right? They were both role players during their playing days. So they understand that you need a guy like Etwan Moore, who could easily come in and score 25 points in a game. That guy hasn't gotten a sniff, but they know that he's going to wait in the wings, that he's acceptable. They communicated that with him. Langston Galloway, I mean, we pull our hair yeah. out going, holy cow, the guy just scored nine points in 30 seconds, and then he might not even get back in in the second half. But he's cool with it because there's great conversation uh, between Monty and James and these players because they brought in role guys that said, hey, Langston, when we need some buckets, you're going to come in, and you may not come back in later because we might need more defense or more size or whatever it is. So um, James has done a spectacular job in really a season and a half of putting the right pieces together. That's awesome. Appreciate that, Tom. Tom, I wanted to ask you about kind of the just success in general. I know you've been a staple in Phoenix and you've carved out a really successful career in basketball. And, and you know, outside of that, I've seen on social media, I know I think your daughter's a nurse and she's a frontline worker and essential worker throughout this COVID crisis. I'm in healthcare myself. I really respect that. I really appreciate that. So I think you, there you go. I like that. Courage is awesome. Yeah. So I think you've, you've had a very successful career in and outside of basketball. And I guess uh, for those listening, how have you come to define success with your profession in your everyday life? Ooh, that's a deep one. Um, gosh, I, you know, it comes down to relationships for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking about one of my favorite guys in the organization, Trent Dutry. That's relationships like that um, are what I'm all about. Family first. Um, and it's been tough to travel over the years when I was actually on the road with the team and missing birthdays and anniversaries and, you know, all sorts of events. So that was, it was hard on the family, but at the same time, we had a lot of flexibility during the off season. So felt like I could make up for that. So in terms of success, I mean, it's, was able to maintain, you know, strong family life and still have a, a good relationship with my three kids. They still talk to me. So that's good. I mean, there you go. that's a positive. Um, you know, and my wife has always been so supportive of me and carrying the load when I've been gone. Um, and now, you know, we're both working in our different careers. So, but then in terms of, I guess, professional success, um, I guess I could say longevity has probably been a factor to say, like, I guess I'm doing all right. I mean, they, they could have kicked me to the curb a long time ago. Um, and I, I feel like maybe, you know, in, in this, in the sports scene too, I think fans, become comfortable and familiar. I think about TNT with Ernie Johnson and, you know, and Kenny and Charles yeah. and Shaq. I mean, it's like you take one of those guys out and the show is totally different. Sure. So it's just like, you're so comfortable putting those guys on and they each have kind of their own personality and role in the broadcast. And to be honest, I've just been really, really fortunate to work with Tom Chambers, most of all right now. I mean, if Tom Chambers was not my partner right now, I don't even know who it would be and if anybody would watch. I mean, so I've been really lucky and we've developed a friendship. It goes back to the relationship. I mean, TC and I, totally different guys, totally different beliefs in many respects. Um, and yet, you know, when the season's over, we go with our group of producers and other coworkers to Rocky Point, Mexico and go have a great time. It's the best three days of the year. That's um, awesome been able to develop that kind of relationship and trust so we can tease each other. He can tease me. I can tease him. And Eddie Johnson is the exact same way. I mean, EJ having done games with him and traveled with him on the road. Right. Um, I've just been really lucky to work with, you know, I'll just name those two, but you know, Ann Myers Drysdale and Scott Williams and Dan Marley. And, um, so that's, I've just been really lucky. I don't, you know, success is, it could change, you know, I could say something on the air and, you know, be blasted on social media and the Suns would have to let me go next week. You just never know. Success is a, a very fleeting thing. Um, but I've been lucky to be in this position to have this job and to be able to kind of develop a relationship with Suns fans. Um, it's, it's, you know, weird to be at a car wash and somebody's like, go Suns. I'm like, oh, where's Sean Marion? Like, oh, <laughs> not only me. It's like, it's weird. I'm like, because I'm a ball boy. I'm still that kid. Yeah. I'm still 14 year old ball boys. So when people say something to me about, Hey, you know, saw this show or way to go sons or whatever, uh, get some sort of, you know, recognized for something. It just, I'm like, that's just weird to me because I'm the guy that's next to Tom Chambers going, I can't believe I worked with this guy. 
And, you know, Steve Nash, like if I see him and we're on first name basis, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so lucky. You know, and Paul Westfall, who just passed away. I, mean, yeah. I grew up idolizing him. I mean, we all did. Those of us my age grew up imitating his shots, his fadeaway, his turnaround fadeaway jumper and shooting with our left hand. And years later, he's texting me during shows going, hey, that was a great job. Good job on your play-by-play or saw you in TC. I'm like, Paul Westfall is texting me. You've got to be kidding me. And the next thing we're playing golf together. And yeah. we started playing golf the last couple of years. And his loss was just devastating. That's yeah. really been tough. Um, but it just goes back to how blessed I've been. That's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, Thanks for sharing. I have one more quick hitting question for you, if you don't mind. I wanted to ask you, just do you have a favorite player right now in the league outside of the Suns? Is there someone that when they come into town or on the road that you really enjoy watching play? Um, man, I, you know, I could jump on that bandwagon of Luca. Yeah. He, he, because he plays with joy. Um, you know, I, I'm not a Harden fan, so I'm contradicting myself because Luca dominates the ball and dribbles too much, sure. but he has so much fun out there. So I like guys who enjoy their craft, enjoy entertaining fans and the way that he smiles and interacts with his teammates. Um, I would probably say Luca is right up there as far as, you know, that kind of allure for me. And he's just a magnet for eyeballs. Um, I, you know, there's other guys out there, De'Aaron Fox, who just because of his speed. Yeah. Yeah. And his, he had a dunk last night that was yeah. ridiculous. Um, so I enjoy watching the athleticism of somebody like that. Um, but then from like a purist standpoint, I mean, there's a guy like Dario Saric. I mean, he just knew he's so underappreciated. Mm -hmm. But if you guys, you guys all play basketball, right? There's always mm -hmm. that one guy when you're playing pickup ball, might not be the best player out there, but you want him on your team because you yeah. know he's going to pass it to you if you're open. You know he's going to go get that rebound when you need it. You know he's going to be a good teammate, a good friend. You could go hang out and have a beer with him. I, that's like a Dario for me. Yeah. So, on different levels, you know, you've got the eyeball test with De'Aaron Fox, you've got the joy. Uh, and Luka Doncic, and then you just have a basketball purist um, in Dario Saric that you just like, if you watch him, you appreciate everything he does on the court. Yeah, it's incredible. That's awesome insight. I'm just glad you didn't say Bradley Beal after last night. <laughs> He's pretty darn good. He, he is good. Special. He's pretty unstoppable. Yeah. All right. Well, we really appreciate having you on, Tom. I just wanted to thank Tom Leander for coming on again. Such an incredible experience having him on here. I uh, also want to thank all of you listeners out there, uh, whether you're uh, new to the podcast or you've stuck with us kind of from the beginning. Um, and please check out our Twitter page. Uh, it is the Parking Lot Podcast at the Parking Lot P1 on Twitter. And uh, keep an eye out for some uh, polls and some questions we're going to post on there in the, in the next couple of days. We really want to get some some interaction from you guys, and we're going to do some some questions that hopefully you can respond to, and we can kind of culminate into a mailbag episode. So uh, we appreciate your support, and I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you guys soon.